0: Okay, good evening, everybody. First of all, thank you very much. That was such a relief. As if anyone doesn't know, I spend most of my life working with teenage boys. So just having a room full of people, just quiet and silent and behaved, it's such a pleasant difference to what I'm used to. So thank you. And I know Mrs. Hilton is not here. Is that correct? She's, uh, she's on her way. Okay. So the, in absence, thank you, Mrs. Hilton, for giving me this opportunity. It's wonderful. Um, occasion coming up to Purim, Chodesh Adol Sheini, and I know we are fundraising for something tonight. That was the extent of my briefing, so I'm sorry, I'm not really filled in about anything. Okay, so what was the title was, The Legacy of Rebbe Hanina Ben-Taravion, which I know is very dramatic. It is quite a dramatic story, actually. It's a very dramatic Gemari and Avodah Zorah that we can go through. Um, I did actually have some even more exciting titles in mind, but they got banned by Mrs. Hilton, so you can ask her. <laughs> but you'll, you'll see as you get there. Okay, so let's go straight into it. The Gomorrah says, this an Avodah Zorah Dach Ches quite long. I'll try and sort of go through it quite quickly. It's a story. It's a famous story. You might have heard it before. It's a brighter. When Rabbi Yossi bin Kisma, who was one of the Tanoim, he lived roughly after the generation of Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Yosei ben Kismur fell ill. Holach, Rabbi Hanida ben Teradio in Rabbi went to visit him. And he said to him, so Rabbi Yosei ben Kismur, who's on his deathbed, asked, Rabbi Hanida ben Teradio, Hanina Ochi, my brother, Hanina, do not know this nation, referring to the Romans, heaven has crowns them. They rule the world. It's from Shemayim Sheikh It's destroyed. His nation has destroyed his house. The of Mikdash. The Safa Burned the temple. The Haggis, They've killed the righteous people of Israel The Tuvov. They've destroyed everything that's good about our nation. And guess what? It's still around. It's still around. They rule the world. Face it. I heard about you. I heard lots and Horror about you. Chanina you're sitting and you're learning and you're gathering these huge audiences and there's a Sefer Torah sitting in your lap what are you doing? they've decreed upon obviously decreed upon us that we're not allowed to learn or teach Torah and you're sitting in public and you're teaching Torah Blase, you don't care, you're endangering yourself you're endangering us sounds familiar right? what are you doing? Omale said to him Min hashemaim yirachamu. from answer. Min hashemaim yirachamu. have mercy. Don't worry. It'll be okay. Amalei, he said back to him. I'm saying words of reason to you. I'm speaking sense, and you're telling me, ah, don't worry. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. I have mercy from heaven. Tomey ani, I will be surprised. Im la If they don't burn you, they are see the terror of baish, and you'll see the in fire. Change the subject. After hearing that, Omalai Rebbe said to him, Rebbe, Do I have a portion in the world to come? Interesting question. Omalai, Well, tell me, anything special happened to you? It's an interesting question. I imagine Rebbe Chanid ben Tarazion was the sort of person who sat learning all day, doing mitzvahs. He was probably quite a frum individual. So it's a bit of an interesting question to ask someone. Well, have you, have you done anything with your life? Do you know if you're going to get into Olam Habor? And he said to him, yeah, once actually it was Purim and I had my big pile of Tzedakah money collected for Purim Mo'i's Purim and I mixed them up with money for Tzedakah Now the Slai Makloika is what that means Rashi says, what that means is that he had his um, cash, his pile of cash that he was presumably going to spend on food for his Purim suddha, and then he had another pile of cash that he had collected for Tzedakah to give to Anim. And he mixed them up. And I ended up giving the money from my Purim to the, the aniyim to the poor people. And by the time I realised my mistake, it was too late. And I left it. I didn't bother trying to replace the money from the Tzedakah account. I ended up talking out, out of my own pocket. And the aniyim ended up getting twice as much as they would have got. The maral says, slightly different, but this is important, so please bear with me. The money that I set aside to give to the aniyim that had been collected by people in the city for Purim, for the poor people to spend on their Purim Sudha, I ended up giving to the regular Tzedakah fund, you know, the all-year-round Tzedakah fund. I realized my mistake, and I replaced it for my own money. So the money that had been set aside for the Purim Sudha that was accidentally put into the Tzedakah fund, that stayed there, and I forked out for my own wallet the money for the Purim Sudha for the Aniyam. That's how the Maharal explains the Gemara. Very interesting Mahleikas, seemingly a bit petty let's see you know what the response was. So Rabbi Yezimeh said back to Rabbi Hanib ben saying, ah, amazing, if that's what you did, your portion should be my portion, and your lot in Ilam Habar. I wish I'd be sitting, sitting right next to you in Olam Haba. amazing, you're a tzaddik. That was the end of the conversation. What, what is going on? Very strange. Now, the Rambam, interestingly, not for now, but the Rambam does learn from this Gemara, a very famous idea, that you can have one thing that can always tip the balance of your judgement at the end of your life. One little thing can get you into entry ticket, nice and dumb. Maral argues. And Maral says, that's not what happens. We all know, do it every year, or Shoshana, do it at the end of our lives. Everything we do, small, big, thought, speech, action, it gets judged, it gets weighed up. And according to how we live our lives, that is the reward that waits for us after we die and after the chayas in the next world. The Maharaj says, what was this interesting story about mixing up money for a Purim Suda? It's an incredible idea. So sometimes Hashem will send a little message to tzaddikim, or maybe to everybody, within their lifetime, that will hint to them if they are actually deserving of Olam Haba or not. And he says an incredible idea. He says, Purim, in case you haven't noticed, is quite... Olam Hazeh, right? We're, we we all used to like the, the Yom Kippurim. It's It's Yom Kippurim, which is a very holy, very Olam Habos sort of day where we're davening and we're fasting, and the men wear kittles And then there's Olam Hazeh on Purim, where the men are not wearing kittles they're wearing banana costumes, monkey costumes. They're drinking, they're eating, they're dancing in the street. Very different Yomim So Purim is very much a representative of Olam Hazeh, and the money. That you set aside for Purim is like the pinnacle of the Gashmi that says Oilam of Purim. On the other hand, an Oni, poor people, are people who don't really have much Oilam Hazer. Imagine the good old medieval, um, you know, the, the, the fable, the, st- the story sort of poor people that you get in the Maggid books. You no, know, they, they have tattered clothes and square patches. When I was in school, we learned about Matanasa Purim. There's always a picture of a guy sitting on the floor with, with like patched clothes and a little cup for tzedakah. And then you, we used to grow up thinking that these, these people would be lying around on Purim and you could just go and give them the money. Baruch Hashem nowadays, things are a bit better and it doesn't really work like that. Obviously there is still this mitzvah, but the Maral says that these poor people, anim, represent someone who's not really focused on Olam Ha'zeh. Their, their entire existence is removed. They don't have much gashmuth. They're not hit. So he says, what happened to Rabbi Hanidah ben Teradio when he mixed up the money was that all his money that has been set aside for buying food for Purim was diverted in the other direction it was given to Anim, Anim who represent the idea of Olam Haba of not having such a foothold in this world and that was like a calling card from Shemayim it was a sign from Hashem that his Olam Hazer had been completely transformed into Olam Habo. it was a guaranteed entry ticket he's in he's in lad he's in the world to come ok there's a problem problem with this but an obvious one and the truth is I believe It's a problem that everyone, I mentioned it earlier, does grapple with around this time of year, especially possibly mothers and educators, which is, that what are we doing? At the end of the day, what are we doing on Purim? It's a lot of fun, it's very important, but everyone panics at some point. I'm I'm not getting down the drinking route, the wrong forum for that, I'm not talking about that, but what are we doing? At the end of the day, why is there this very bizarre mitzvah of eating and drinking and merry-making and going a bit bananas, especially after the Maharal has just explained that that's all about Olam Haze, That that's this worldliness and usually we're trained to think we, we don't do Olam Hazet so much we're into the spiritual side of life yes, and we all know famous ideas we use the Gashmius to elevate ourselves and we elevate the Gashmius into Ruchmiyas. but to have an entire day an entire mitzvah that is devoted to just diving head first into Gashmius what does that mean? where does that come from? even worse by the way And there's a halakha, and this is why the Maharal made such a fuss about this funny story about mixing the the money up. There's a halakha that money which has been given to poor people in order to buy food for the Purim Soda is not allowed to be used for anything else. How we apply this nowadays is a different story, but the the Ritzvot points this out. is what the Maharal meant. is that money for the Purim Soda. It can only be used for the Purim Soda. and oni can't decide to pay their rent or buy themselves a new pair of shoes it can only be used for the Purim Suda and that's why the Rebbe Haninah made it such a fuss when it got mixed up with the other, the other money that was regular stocker because that money that's for the Suda of Purim that's it Purim Suda money it's very holy you can't touch it you can't use it for anything else what is so special about this Purim Suda and the money for the Purim Suda why was it made into a fuss of Rebbe money changing gambit what's going on? fair question and we'll shake our head in disagreement good, thank you a bit of encouragement a bit of feedback okay so we'll try, we'll try and go you know into it bear with me first of all it's always a good idea to look, look in the poiskim actually halachically what, what does the Shulchan Aruch have to say about what we're doing so we get an idea of what is the point of this mitzvah and the truth is you won't find it if you open the Shulchan Aruch. you won't find it in Hilchus Purim because Hilchus Purim doesn't exist it's actually called Hilchus Megillah in the Shulchan Aruch. Interesting idea. You'll find it in Hilchus Chanukah, of all places. Beginning of Hilchus Chanukah, there's a little discussion going on about why is it that on Chanukah we don't have a mishteh. It's a, a yont of just like Purim. On Chanukah we light candles, we say halel, we say al hanisim, but we don't have to eat anything, which is quite extraordinary for a Jewish yont and of course, we then fill up the void with donuts and latkes and cheesecake and everything else. But the point is, there's no mitzvah of eating or Chanukah. Purim, complete opposite. We actually don't say halal. We don't say halal. And we eat a lot and drink. So the poet, will ask, what, what's the difference? The main answer, there are, there are a few different sort of variations of, the, of this idea. The main answer, it sounds clearly in the Tazil from so the lavush, is that the mitzvah of Chanukah and Purim, two words, presuming nisah. The point of these Yom and is to show the nace what happened to us on these days. What are we trying to thank Hashem for? What are we publicising to everyone else? What, what's the Kiddush Hashem we're making? So Hanukkah, everybody knows. We light like candles and that reminds everyone of the nace of the that happened in the Beis HaMikdash. Fine. What's the Bish of Purim? What are we publicising of Purim? What happened? You can shout out well if you want. Fine. We lighting candles at Hanukkah. That's representing the Manoya the nase of the Manoya the the dosh. what are we doing on Purim? okay how so? the, souda. the souda, How? What, what are we representing with the Suda that we eat on Purim? which nates? what miraculous thing occurred? okay that's it that's it the Tan says <coughs> the mere fact that we, we're alive because people who aren't alive don't do much eating Right? Very interesting idea. We eat, we drink, we are merry, because we didn't die. We were faced with genocide and we survived it. Hashem saved us. So the pishumin is, so the names that we are publicising is the eating of the Suda. Very interesting idea. Okay? Take us a bit deeper. We go a bit off at a tangent, so just try and hold on to that idea. The Rambam, very, very, very well-known Rambam, right at the end of Hilchus. Megillah, not Hilchus Purim. The entire Tanakh will cease to be. Same as Rambam. All the books of the Tanakh will disappear. Except for Megilas Esther. It will be just like the five books of the Torah, which sounds like at least the five books of the Torah will continue to exist. <laughs> and it will be just like the halachas that we learned in the Torah Shabbat, that will never disappear. They're not written down. They're not dependent on any sort of book. So it will still have the Torah Shabbat even after the rest of the books disappear. The even though all of the various um, commemorations that we have, all the various um, agonies that Klal Yisrael has gone through in history, all of that stuff will go as well. He brings the pasuk. The days of Purim will never disappear. It says that the days of Purim will never disappear from the memory of the Jewish people. And there's a big explosion on the very page in the, in the Rambam. The Raver famously criticizes this. It's not true. No such thing. There's a rash for about it. Everyone got very bothered by this Rambam. It's quite controversial. What does it mean? All these books are going to disappear, and all the Yomim Toivim are going to disappear except for Purim. There's an answer, a few answers. but The one I'm going to pick up on is the Radvaz. Radvaz was the chief rabbi of Cairo, the very famous Talmud called the Arizal. So that gives you a resume of who the Radvaz was. The Radvaz writes, what will happen is like this. When Mashiach comes, it's going to be a very similar experience to Har The beginning of Har where at least the first two of the Therese Debris were heard directly from, HaKodesh Boruch Hu, to... There was no Novi, there was no Moshe, It was a direct Per the Pusik says, mouth to mouth, Hashem spoke to the Jewish people. Wonderful experience, so wonderful by the way, they died. The and says that the Neshama just left the body. They, they just died, twice. They heard the first, then the Neshama just left. Couldn't stay in this world anymore. Hashem brought them back to life, they heard the next one. They died again at this point. They got a bit fed up. So They said to Moshe, look, we can't die ten times on one day it's too traumatic please you go you hear the Torah we will accept it from you from that stage onwards the Radval says the Torah began to get a bit diluted because instead of hearing the Torah directly from Hashem it's supposed to be an incredible experience even if it is a bit overwhelming they needed a Novi they needed somebody to stand between them and a Kodesh Boruchu and and, you know filter the Torah down to to us when Mashiach comes the Radval says that will disappear you won't need any of these books to learn the Torah from anymore. You won't need Yirmir, Yeshayah, Yechezkel, the Treyosa. I did know them in order once in my life, I've forgotten. The Treyosa, that one over there. So if you Malachim need any of this stuff, all you'll have is the actual Torah Sheh you'll have the Torah Sheh and everything that we learn will be direct, a direct relationship between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Klai Yisrael. And he says that's exactly what the Rambam is trying to explain. What about Megillah Esther? What's the difference? Why do we need Megillah So he's dead. So I'll tell you why. Because the Rambam carries on. He says all of the other Yomim Tovim and all of the other memories of all the bad stuff that's happened in history will disappear, and the only Yom Tov that will remain is Purim. Why? Because now we have our year, our calendar sort of goes like this, pretty much. You get to Avs all the time. It goes really low down. Nissan Adar goes up. It, it dips, and every week it goes down. Shabbos goes up again goes down again. We have work days. We have days that aren't so holy, aren't so elevated, not so exalted. We have your Kippur. It's out there somewhere. When Mashiach comes, it will be static. Every single day of our lives, there'll be no work to do. There'll be no struggles with the Aids of Horror. It's just a one long, happy relationship between humanity and the creator of the universe. Wonderful. And you won't notice Yom Tov. You won't notice Pesach. You won't notice Shavuot. You won't notice Sukkot. It's not going to give you any more of a boost than you would have had anyway. Amazing idea. Except for Purim. Except for Purim. Why Purim? Says, Purim is different. Because unlike Pesach, and I like Shavuot, and I like Sukkot, and I like Hanukkah, where there was just like a little problem, we were slaves, or the Greeks were doing what the Greeks were doing, or Sukkot, whatever. Sukkot is supposed to commemorate in terms of, of Soros. Purim, we were going to die. Terrible. Purim, they were going to wipe us out. It was genocide. So Purim is different, says the Radvats. It was such a terrible threat the Yons of Purim will survive forever. Okay. It's nice. You know, we survived genocide. It's good. Why is it different? End of the day, quantitatively, it might be different. I think that's the right word. No, qualitatively, there we go. It might be different. It's much worse to be killed than it is to, I don't know, not be able to do bristabilah, let's say. But the end of the day, it's just another episode in the history of Qayyushalayim where they try to get us. Hashem saves us. Let's eat. Right, We know this one already. Why is Purim different? What, ha- what is happening here? Okay, so at this point, um, it's me. It's me talking now. There's some of my own ideas. So you can take them or leave them. I, I, uh, maybe some of it's based on Reb Tzodak, and Lublin. If anyone wants to know where it's from, it's uh, the it's paper called Machchaviz Chorot. I can even tell you the page number, page Kuf Ein Gimel. It's quite a long piece. Um, and he talks about all sorts of exciting things like getting drunk, and um, drinking when Mashiach comes, and eating in the sudda of the viyotan—amazing ideas—but it's basically based on this. I'm going to try and tie it in. Take it or leave it. Some It goes like this. What? Who, who, was, who was the baddie? Who was the bad guy in the Purim story? I'll give you a clue. Homon, right? Homon Amalek. I have you heard of him. Okay. He was the one that tried to wipe us out. Why? What did he have against us? At the end of the day. Anyone ever thought, any, thought about this? He just was Catholic anti right? He just doesn't like Jews. There is a Medrush, Medrash Rabbah in Perek Gimel, that says, when Esther came to the throne, and nobody knew who she was, she's this mystery lady with a Persian name. She won't tell anyone of her nationality. It's very, very strange and secretive. The Medra says that Homon thought to himself okay, she looks Jewish she's probably Jewish if she's not Jewish she's probably closely related to somebody Jewish and that means she's from the nation of Aesov. because they're brothers that's great, I'm also from Aesov. so if she's Jewish, well we're brothers we're first cousins and if she's from Aesop, even better, we're from the same family and we'll get on fine doesn't sound like the, uh, the anti-Semites that we're used to, right? Haman had these uh, ideas of a friendship with Esther. Here's a Medrash in a of, of Esther rather. Okay? What went wrong what went wrong is an old machlokas. There's an old machlokas between Esau and Yaakov and this comes up all over the place. All over the place. The best, best place to look at it was, is the end of Parashat Vayishlach or so the, the middle of Parashat Vayishlach after a showdown between Yaakov and Esau and Aesop invites Yaakov to journey with him. And Yaakov says, no, you go. I, I'm going slowly. I'm going very slowly. I've got work to do. I've got young children with me. I've got animals with me. You go take your soldiers. I'll meet you later in Haras You go journey to your mountain. I'll find you there. He looks at the entire Torah. Yaakov never goes to Haras to meet Aesop. He goes back home to his father. Says the Gemara, what does that mean? Says the Apostlech it um, says that when Mashiach comes uh, saviors, whoever that's referring to will go meet Esau and Haraseir which is the mountain that Esau is, is homed. it's referring to the times of Mashiach Medra says that there was a conversation that happened between Yaakov and Esau and Esau says to Yaakov let's split the world you sit and learn go to Yeshiva, go to Koilol and I'll look after you I'll deal with everything else I'll work I'll run the, the Roman Empire I'll protect you You can sit and learn That'll be great To which Yaakov replied No, 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 it's fine It's fine You have Yehi lakha He said You have what you have You have Olam Hazer I'm having Olam Haba And Esau said Are you sure? Yaakov said yeah And Esau said Let's make a deal Let's find it You have Olam Haba I don't believe in it anyway So it's fine You have your world to come Give me dominion of Olam Hazer and Yaakov agreed. And from that point onwards, that's what basically what's been going on. The entire Western world views Oylem Hazer as the be-all and end-all of everything. The truth is, I did not want to talk about this, but we have to. What we're living through now is a classic, classic example of this. When you hear sentences like, what is the point of the world without Russia in it, as they're arming nuclear missiles, and it's a scary thought, this is what it's come to it's when there is Oylem Hazer there's someone Gaiva someone's covered some Russia who doesn't even want to rule the world it's just what's the point of the world if I'm not in it when you have Oylem Hazer in your mindset that's the sort of the society it produces Yaakov on the other hand we have habot. it's a very different world very 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 different world right? we're used to the Oylem Hazer which is the corridor Mishnah Peh Kiovas Ramachar says to show him it's just that way to get you to Olam Haba Hashem's world that he created is not here it hasn't even been created yet it's on the way after the chias we have Olam Haba that is the real existence that was created for Hashem to have this relationship with the people that he's created to give over his kindness give his goodness Olam Hazer is just a way to get there that's all it is this is the point of contention between Yaakov and Esau for Esau no Olam Hazer this is it this is where it's happening this is the world There's nothing more. For Yaakov, I'm going slowly. I've got children, I've got animals, I've got work to do. Olam Hazeh is the way forward. And that is the contention that Esau and Yaakov can't get along over. What happens to Homon, the someone called Mordechai? Mordechai won't bow to him. Why? Because I'm more important than you. Because you don't deserve my honour. I'm sorry. You are Homon. I'm Mordechai. I'm a Jew. I'm a Tzaddik. I'm a -a Tamachacham. I don't bow to you. Your world doesn't need to have me in it. From that point on, Muzahat goes back home. He is the the Adolf Hitler of the the Persian Empire. Because one Jew won't bow to him. In Aesop's world, there's Maya Edom Everybody has to fit into that. If there are Jews in this world that are a constant reminder that there's something more, there's going to be Din Zecheshpen. Every single action that I... Has and do and thoughts and speech, everything's going somewhere. I've got to stand accountable for that. That's the point that Esau can't stand. Hormon sets out to wipe out every single Jew, men, women, children. And like we said, that is that was that was the Torah. That's precisely what we are publicizing or purim when we eat. We're, make, we're making merry just to be saying the nature of Hashem saving us from the hands of this maniac. Okay, I'm getting a bit clearer. I hope. I hope okay let's go back to the story of Rebbe Chnida bin Trajun. let's look at what happened to him okay end of the story part two so part one was this uh, recap he went to visit Rebbe Yosef bin Kishma and Rebbe Yosef bin Kisma told him off for provoking Esau for ignoring them and learning Torah in public when they banned it and he says oh, don't worry about it eventually he promises to be an Olam Habot. what happens so the Gemara says I'll do it outside uh, running out of time There's the Gemara that a few days later <coughs> excuse me Rabbi Osha ben Kisma finally died. He was Nifta. An and interestingly, it says, Kol Gedoile Romi. All of the, um, the upper, I don't know, upper sectors of Roman society, I don't know who he's referring to, the Senate, they all came to bury him. He was obviously well politically connected. They came to bury him, they came to give him a heftbud. And that's what happened. And on the way back, guess who they bumped into? Rabbi Chonida ben Trazion was sitting, as he was doing, teaching Torah in public. And that's not the sort of person you want, I mean, if you're sitting doing that, the people you don't want barging in on the session is the entire Roman government, presumably with a bunch of soldiers wielding sharp pieces of metal. So unfortunately Rabbi Hanim was arrested, taken back to Jerusalem, sentenced to death. We know the story, he's one of the ten Haruge Malkus, by the way. So you know what happens, they, they wrapped him up with his Sefer Torah, they soaked cotton wool in water covered him in that and they set it on fire the idea of the custom wool being prolonged his agony very, the Gemara is very graphic right, it says that he was the fire was consuming him and Talmidim said to him Rebbe what do you see? he said I see letters flying off the face of Torah going back to Shemaim and they said Rebbe open your mouth it, I think the idea is that you should die quicker and he said I'm not prolonging I'm not, I'm not going to quicken my death I think it's my one second, I'm only doing what Hashem told me to do. It says that the uh, Roman executioner actually made a deal with him and says, Rebbe, if you promise me that you'll take me to Oilam Habor with you, I'll take some of the cotton wool off your chest and you'll die quicker. And he said, fine, it's a deal. And that's what happened. The executioner took off the, uh, the cotton wool and jumped into the fire with him. They both died. And as they both passed away, a buzz call comes out and announces that the executioner, and Rabbi ben Tradion are Habo. I don't know how to translate Because in the written, it means invited. That's probably the wrong word. You say Harini mukhrun and You heard that before? I'm prepared. They are designated. They are set aside. They are definitely in Oilam Haba. That's the end of the Gemara. I'm sorry if it was too graphic for anybody. Okay, so that's what happened to Rabbi Chalene ben This There's the Maharal. There's another clue in this Gemara. So this idea that Hashem was sending these hints to everybody that Rabbi Chanele ben Teradion was guaranteed a seat in Olam Haba. The fact that the Sefer Torah was burnt with him. Because the Gemara says that as he was dying his daughter well, she was also arrested by the Romans at the time his daughter said to him Abu Tati, why, why do I deserve to see you like this? To which he responded Listen, if I had been burnt by myself, I don't know if you said it in that tune with the sun, but I'll do it anyway because it's a good one. If I had been burnt by myself, then fine, you'd have a point. Now I have been burnt the sefer Torah in me. Now I've been burnt together with the sefer Torah. And the "I know this is the uh, <laughs> this is the controversial part of the speech," and you walked in just for that. So don't worry about it. Um, now I've been burnt together with the sefer Me Sheivakesh al Torah. He who is going to um, take vengeance for the disgrace of the Torah huyevakesh says he's going to take vengeance for the disgrace that's happened to me and with those words he passed away says the Maharal there's another clue over there to say the Torah was destroyed with him what does that mean? he says everything about everything about Rabbi Chizid ben Taradion all the way from that money set aside for the Purim so that it ended up going to stocker so it went from Olim Hazer to Olim Haba to the fact that his Torah the Torah that he'd been learning from lost its physicality Right, Where did the Torah come from originally, before HaSinai? Had this idea. Shemaim, it was black fire on white fire. It was a completely spiritual concept that Hashem forced it into a physical world. He says, the Torah of Rebbe Hanil ibn Tarazion went through exactly the same process. It lost, it shed all its physicality. The actual Sefer Torah was burnt. The ink disappeared. And the letters, the essence of the Sefer Torah flew up to Shemaim. Because everything about him was Muzumun Lachaye Ha'ilam Habo. He'd completely transformed himself into somebody who lived in Olam Habo and not an oylem hazeh ok so Rabbi Haninah ben Tziradion's Purim didn't exist he didn't need it Rabbi Haninah ben Tziradion was he was there ready. he was there he was somebody who lived in oylem habo even while he was still alive for the rest of us there's another term you might have heard of we maybe are bnei oylem habo heard this before a ben oylem habo a child of the oylem habo what does that mean? like a ben Torah it means somebody who's influenced you're not there yet. We live in Olam Hazer. We've got work to do in Olam Hazer. But where are we going? Like the Ramachal says, where, where is our magmat nefesh, where are we looking? Where's our destination? Ideally, Olam Habo. We're b'nai Oilam Habo. So let's try and wrap this all together. Mitzvah of Purim. What happened on Purim? Very famous, you might remember this. The niece of Purim was a Suda. Like the Tal says, what we are publicizing was a Suda. Which Suda happened on Purim in the story? Achashverish, thank you. The, story of, not, not the, the, the Suda of Esther, which happened on Pesach, there is a Minhag, a particular Hasidim, to actually have a, I heard this scenes before, there is a Minhag to have a Suda on Pesach Day, 2nd Day Yom Tov, to commemorate the Suda that Esther made for Homon and Achashverish. That's that one. Why we don't do that on Purim, it, funny story, the Suda of Purim that's spoken about was actually the Suda of Achashverosh, right at the beginning of the story which wasn't looked at very kindly. It was known to, it was technically an Avera. They shouldn't have done it. They shouldn't have gone to drink wine there. The Gemara says, the coin of Reb Shimba Ba is Talmidim. It's But the coin of Reb Ba is Talmidim. That was the Avira that actually brought about the Gezira of death in the first place. But that is the Suda that we're commemorating. So it's not like Kain says, this is an incredible, incredible idea. Another medrash, great medrash to have in your pocket. There was a conversation between Achashverosh and the Yidim at the soda. It went like this. They're all sitting down, they're passing, they've got everything they could ever dream of having, wine, food, company, music. It's amazing. And Achashverosh walks in, as we all know, wearing the big day and he goes over to the Jews and he says, Rabbi Isai, he probably said it in Persian, whatever, gentlemen, only speaking to the Jews, could your gods give you anything like this in the Olam Habor? Can you be this? This is the life, right? And they said to him, Mejosh Rabba, Perik, Vov, I think, they said to him, look, it says in the Novi, Ayin Aras, which means that no one has actually seen Olam Haba, we don't know what it's going to be like. It's going to be an amazing experience. And if this is it, what's going to happen? When we get there, Hashem will present us with the rewards of Olam Haba, and we'll tell him, no, that's not good enough. We've, we've had this already. We ate this in that palace. You know, we demand more. So obviously this can't be it. This can't be Oilam Haba. And apparently he accepted the argument. Says Reb Tzodok that was, that moment, was the moment that the Gemara refers to. So originally when Hashem gave him the Torah, he had to put a gun to their head, he had to put HaSinai over their heads and say, accept the Torah or you're going to be buried here And he took it against their will almost. And the Gemara says, but well, then we can just reject the entire Torah. Then, if it was if it was given through force." To which the Gemara replies, No, they accepted it again, willingly, at the time of achashevirosh, not hamon. When achashevirosh, it meant at that party. Says when they said, "This is not olam Habor, We believe in olam Habor. That's where we're going. That was it. It was all sorted out then. It was almost as if they'd gone through that terrible descent of having to go to that party in the first place just to be able to reaffirm we are B'nei O'ylam Ha'bo. That's where we're going to. Okay? So to finish off with something practical because in that truth is the truth is I'm not saying Echidosh because the Ramchal says beginning with Shorim, read out Yisrael Ha'chidosh you've probably heard this a hundred times if you haven't please read me a hundred times what is the one thing that you're supposed to have every single day of your life what are you supposed to be thinking about the whole time the fact that you are only here you're only here to take pleasure from having a direct relationship with our Kaddish that's it everything else falls around that and I've seen it in my limited experience I believe this is the thing that can make it or break it with everything. If it's motivating teenagers to devoting more into their Yiddish guide, it's just an awareness. There, there's suchah, there's a reward, there's a party, there's a suda, there's good food, there's good wine, there's something waiting for you. You're not just here in Olam Hazeh. this is going somewhere. If it's dealing with difficult situations, yes, now it's hard, but this is Olam Hazar. Olam Habo is bigger. If it's a seeming waste of a couple of years, if you spent, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight years working on a project that just a path of smoke, but we don't know what that's doing. For us, we're trying to build our Oilam Hazare, but every second that we've gone through, it's shaping Oilam Habor. It says of Tadaka that is what they went through at Purim. That's what happened from Sinai to Purim. When it was at Sinai it was Torah in this world, it was physical, it was written down, after given said in stone. Purim something completely different. And he says that's why Purim has to come not from the Torah, not mid-arayse, it comes mid Rabonat. It comes from the people, the human beings of the Bnei themselves. It's not something written in stone, it's something written in there. When the people, the Jewish people themselves are creating a mitzvah, they're adding towards it. it's this, this change of focus from becoming a ben-oilam hazeh to a ben-oilam habo. So the mitzvah is jump head first into Gashmius, eat, drink, be merry, party, dress up like a Meshuggah, whatever it is, you're in Olam Hazer, but the whole Yom of Purim is that our Olam Hazer is getting us somewhere. We're heading somewhere. We're heading to Olam Habo. I'll do my pep talk for the Asnos of Kala because this is such a great cherry, cherry on the cake of the Joshua. so it's not Lishma but I think we could end up with this. It's amazing. I love asking people. I've done this in some very entertaining forums involving sometimes um, Bokhrim, teenagers, people who aren't even showing Shaba sometimes. I've done it with a whole range of people. I love asking them the following question. I usually do it when it's, let's like say we're discussing this sort of idea, there Hashem, the Hashem's um, goal is to give the greatest possible good that there could be. So I turn to them and I say, so tell me, what is the greatest possible good that could be? You get some very entertaining um, answers. Okay? What does Ramchal say? so those you who know. It's in Derech Hashem, it's in Sefer it's in Dastavunos. It's a very philosophical, um, mathematical equation. What is the only thing that exists that has nothing wrong with it whatsoever? Can all shout out again? Or you can say you don't know. The answer is him, Hakodesh Barukh That's what Rambam says. He said in the beginning of Derech Hashem, and there's nothing that exists that is perfect except for Hakodesh Barukh so it stands to reason that the fechal, the reward, that of Olam HaBor, that Hashem is planning to give to us, is Himself. And that's what it's all about. The direct relationship between us and Him. We become more like Him. We become closer to Him. This is why so many mitzvahs are V'hi to Bidrochot, just act like Hashem, because the more we act like Him, the closer to this perfection we are achieving. Says so the Ramam, at the end of Hilkot Megillah, after he actually vividly describes what the Suda should look like. And by the way, you probably have heard all the Rishonim that say the Gemara doesn't mean it when it says, Chayav it doesn't really mean you should get drunk. I'm not talking about this. I'm this just, um, just throwing out the, the sources. Yeah? The Rambam says you have to eat, drink. It says, Umishtakeh. He says you get drunk. He does say that. The Rambam quite machmi uh, when it comes to the Suda. He says, eat, bosor, yayin, stuff yourself. Stuff yourself silly, he basically says. But then he says, while you're having your fun, ain simcha gadoila there's no, no greater and amazing simcha, el la sameachalev the esomim, the the gerim. Nothing better than remembering tzedakah. Remembering to give the, the poor people, the gerim, widows, orphans, gerim, shom sameachalev ha'amlolemo elu, because somebody who makes these people happy, and they've got nothing else going for them. Listen to this. the D'Shechina is very much like a kodesh Hu. Shneema, as it says, is Rach Shafolim, That's exactly what Hashem does. Hashem's entire world is just to give and to lift people up. So the Raman sort of throws in, actually, when you're there in the Suda of Purim, that mitzvah where you are engaging in Elam HaZeh because it's your corridor, or to get to Elam You can do it there and then. You can become just like a kodesh Hu by giving tzedakah. So without that, thank you very much. With a big zechus, slach with the hachnasas kallah, and the uh, frailichim lester kapurim lono olachay Israel omim.